and amen. Good morning, Grace Church. Dr. Allen sends his greetings to you from uh, all the way in Malone. He is preaching revival over there this morning. He is not being lazy. He is preaching. And uh, so be praying for him as he's bringing the word about right now. Uh, I don't know about, about you, but I thought last week's uh, sermon from the book of Ruth was unbelievably good. And uh, so come back. He'll be back next Sunday, and we'll be picking up in, in the book of Ruth. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I dare not jump in the middle of his uh, series in the book of Ruth. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be in verses 25 through 34. And, um, you know, I have a lot of uh, compassion on our, our college students looking up here, all, all those graduates today. Um, I remember being in college. I remember being stressed out like you, you wouldn't believe. Not, one, not knowing how I was going to pay rent, not knowing how I was going to buy food. I, I was so poor my freshman year, I uh, had like $2 left, and I needed deodorant. And so I went to Winn-Dixie, and I couldn't afford Old Spice. So I got the, the Winn-Dixie uh, just off-brand. It just said deodorant on the front. And it smelled really good. The problem was it turned all my shirts, like the armpits, green. And so then I was so poor, I, I, I couldn't even afford to buy new clothes, you know. And, and uh, I've been there. Uh, and, and, and yet, you know, I, I survived. I graduated. I made it. I didn't go hungry. Believe it or not, I didn't go hungry. And um, I, made it, I made it through school. And you would think I, I learned my lesson. And, and March 2020 hits. And this, this, I get an email from our, our governor, who I have forgiven since who shut down my office for two months. And I, I tell you the truth, I've never been more stressed out in my life. Wondering how I'm going to pay my 17 employees, how I'm going to pay, you know, for, to feed my kids. Um, you, you start right, running through, you don't know that, you know, in two months it's going to be over. I'm going to be back to work. You just, you're letting the what-ifs just, just take over your life. You're not, I wasn't sleeping. Ask my wife. I was a bundle of joy. She, she was excited that I was going to be at home. And then she was like, you need to go back to work. Because that's what stress does to you. Um, and maybe you've been there. Where anxiety or worry has just gripped you. It's taken over your thoughts. And when pressure is applied, what comes out from the inside. These uh, nine or so verses are from the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus himself called the Sermon on the Mount. And if I could, if I could put you know, my, my pulse on one of the problems, I think, in the church in America, our generation, I think we are just way too busy. I'm not talking about Grace Church. I'm talking about the church and as a whole. We are so busy that we're just so stressed out. Would you agree with that? Uh, is this, last time I preached, I preached on, on marriage, and I told Jerry I was going to preach on marriage again. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I thought I'd preach on something that might hit everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the reason I chose, this, usually I preach on stuff that I'm dealing with. So I'm really preaching to myself this morning. Um, we're just too busy, and so we're often just too stressed out. And uh, if, we're, if we're honest, would our friends, our family members, would they, would they call us a, a worrier? Are we known as a, a worrier? Maybe we're worried about paying bills. Maybe we, hey, are we worried about paying for gas? Are we worried about paying for tuition? 
Maybe you're rich and you're, you're worried about losing it all. Maybe you're poor and you're worried about not having enough. Maybe you're young and you're worried about being alone for the rest of your life. Been there. Maybe you're, 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 you're worried about what people think about you or, or failing. If we're honest, I think we all can be worriers. And just saying the word anxiety makes me feel anxious. I mean, dentistry and anxiety go kind of hand in hand. You know, it's something I deal with on a, on a daily basis. And we think we just need peace and quiet, so we'll, we'll get in a hunting stand, we'll get in a boat and get on the water, we'll get on a plane and fly somewhere to find a, a peace, but it's a, it's a temporary peace. It's a fleeting peace. As soon as you get out of the hunting stand, guess what happens? Your stress levels start getting up again. And the problem is when troubles come and there's toil and there's trials and there's hardship, we try all the options on the table to relieve the stress except for the one option that requires faith. That's what Dr. Allen said last week. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of don't worry, trust God. I almost, I almost named the title of that 1980s song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And I was going to have Mr. Mickey back there start whistling. You know, but I I changed it to don't worry, trust God. Uh, Start with me in verse 25. For this reason, I I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They, they do not labor, nor do they spin thread for clothes. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the field, the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's start in verse 25. Jesus himself, he says, This reason I say to you. So what is the reason he's saying this about worry? Uh, you get, that means you've got to go up a couple verses and just to kind of just, just to, uh, briefly touch, touch on, on, on what he was talking about before. You remember he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then, he, and then there, verse 22 and 23, I didn't really at one time know what, knew what that meant, but it's like the eye is the, is the lamp of the body, meaning when, when light hits the, the retina of your eye, you see clearly. So Jesus is talking about getting a new perspective being able to see clearly, because if you have a diseased eye, you won't, you won't, you won't understand what he's talking about. You won't, you won't see clearly. And then in verse 24, he lays it out. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That's the reason. 
that's the reason why many of us are, are stressed out too often is because we are trying to serve two masters. We're trying to serve two masters. And, and it results in the uh, feeling anxious, and the anxious life is, is it feels like being pulled apart. That's what the word worry actually means. Uh, if, if you break it down, it comes from the word that means to unthread or unravel a garment. It's, it's to be torn into, to, to be pulled in two different directions. That's why we're feeling, get it, tension. We're serving two different masters, whether we know it or not. Uh, and I don't know about you, I feel that way quite often. Anyone else relate with me? And, I, and, and let me say this at the beginning. I, I am fully aware there are some anxiety issues that, that, that Jesus is not talking about right here. There is, there is some medical issues where our bodies are failing us and falling apart, and that's not the type of worry, anxiety that Jesus is talking about. Uh, and there's also, let me point out, a good type of anxiety that the Apostle Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians, there was a daily anxiety or pressure of him of concern for all the churches. There's a, there's a good type of concern that we need for the future. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. The, the, Jesus is talking about um, the type of worry that, that, that takes over you. It's, it's, it's a worry that dictates whether you're going to sleep tonight or not. Um, and, and so I want you to picture that Jesus, he, he, he's not angry. He's on the mountainside, and he sits down, and his disciples come to him. And he's just, he's, he's talking to them. I don't think he's in, in a harsh voice at all. But he recognizes that his disciples are worrying about this and that and that. And so he's, 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 he's addressing it. Uh, and, and so... The first, the first thing I want to point out is in verse 27 about why worrying is, uh, why, why Jesus wants us just to, to stop it when he, when he says do not worry. Basically, he's, he's admitting or, or he's, he's telling the disciples, okay, you're worrying and I want you to stop it. And this is why. And the first reason why is in verse 27 because worrying is pointless. Worrying is pointless. Verse 27 says, in which of you by worrying can add a single day to his lifespan, right? Which of you by worrying can add a single day to his lifespan? Or your translation may uh, say that uh, by worrying can, can add one inch to your, your, your height. You can't grow taller by worrying. Uh, when we are worried, it, it doesn't solve anything, right? It's, it's never solved a problem. Worry can't add a single day to your life. But you know what it can do? It can shorten your life. It can affect the quality of your life. But it can't add anything to your life. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart, it weighs him down. And all worry does is it puts pressure on you mentally and emotionally and physically. It's like anxiety is just is trying to carry a backpack around while you're running a race. It's just not going to work very well. It's a spiritual thief that robs us of joy and peace and sleep. It's pointless for you to do it, for me to do it. 
Next, he says, not only is it pointless, but worrying about tomorrow makes us less productive for today. Verse 34, Jesus says, so do not, be, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right? So, so when we are worried about tomorrow, what it's going to do is it's going to make us less effective today. Does that make sense to everybody? We're worried about tomorrow's problems, so we're not going to be taking care of today's problems. And so then the problems start adding up. Uh, anybody a procrast- procrastinator in here? Okay. Why do today what you can put off till tomorrow, right? Uh, you know procrastinators, they end up getting super stressed out. And you know why? Because they're, they're, they struggle at getting done today what needs to be done today, so they save all their problems for one day, and then it's overwhelming. And you, you remember, um, you know, God, he, he's so kind to teach us simple truths with, with, with simple things like bread, with like wine, with the Lord's Supper. He, he uses bread in the Old Testament to teach his people in the wilderness truths about him, truths about life. And so this, this thing called manna starts falling out in the sky, right? Manna is this honeycomb wafer little thing that tasted I guess pretty good. They would, they would gather it and break it up and fry it and make like cakes with it. Um, but it's like magic bread. I mean, it fell from heaven. But, but there's some, some qualities about it that make you kind of just wonder, that's odd that it, manna would act that way. Like one of them is it melts by noon. It's not bread that stays there all day. Now why in the world would God rain down heaven, uh, from heaven manna that would only be gone on the ground for a couple hours? You ever think about that? Maybe he's teaching our, uh, his people a lesson. Maybe he's teaching his, his people a lesson about maybe time management, about how to be disciplined, about how to get up and get things done. Because when you get up and you start out your day right by, by getting your heart happy with the Lord and then tackle the day's promises or, or the, the, the day's troubles, I mean, it's just like your day is going to be so much easier for you, right? Um, and so, but if they're not disciplined to, to rise up and, and, and work, they're going to go hungry. He's, he's teaching them uh, something here. And so managing our, our time, y'all, making the, the 16 hours that we have available and, and living well, living in the moment, maximizing the time that God has given us each day, and you'll be a less stressed out person. Living today better and not be so focused on tomorrow. You know, some of the most productive people that I know, this is what they do. They make a list of everything they need to get done. And they have today's list of all the problems and troubles and things that, they, that, are, that, that if you don't get done, it's going to create stress in your life. And they have a list here. And then they might have a list for the week. And what they start doing, they start with today. All right? These are the things that I need to do today. Number one. I need to be with the Lord because I leak, okay? And when I do that, I'm telling you, if you're stressed out, make a list, and you start crossing things off on your list, and, and my anxiety level just starts to drop because I'm, I'm getting done what I need to get done today. And then if you maximize your time today, okay, start, start tackling some of the things this week. Get ahead. Plan like the ant. Plan for the future. Save. Put money in the 401k. That's great. Jesus isn't saying don't worry about the future. He's just saying don't let the future control you. 
control your time. You, you make your time work for you. So Jesus wants us to stop worrying because worrying about tomorrow makes us less productive for today and because worrying reveals a puny faith in God. It reveals a puny faith in God. Look at verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? And here it is. May want to underline it. You of little faith. Verse 32. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. He's talking to his people. And he's comparing what you're doing is what the Gentiles, who have never heard the gospel, who, who don't have a saving relationship with me, you're acting just like them. Who, who, who are worshiping gods made of stone, who are, are false gods, or who aren't alive. You have the same hope that they have. You know, worry is one of those respectable sins. It's so common that, that many of us are like, why stop it? Everyone struggles with it. So it's like, we, it's one of those respectable, it's not one of those blatant ones like, a, like adultery or something. It's worrying. It's, it's not that big of a deal. But what worrying is saying to the Lord is implying that, 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 that God, we just don't quite trust you, that you're big enough, that you're powerful enough, that you're loving enough to take care of what's happening in my life. You know we're, uh, that, 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 that faith isn't just an automatic button that's pushed inside you? You have to apply it. And the Lord puts you in difficult circumstances. And, and, and a lot of times, we don't just flip the light switch of faith on. We let our circumstance, circumstances dictate us rather than our faith dictate it. And, and, and so faith, uh, worrying is actually failing to exercise our faith in God and basically identifying ourselves with pagans, is what Jesus just said. And when you have a heart of little faith, you know, we, we don't just outright reject God. We just reduce him in size. You ever wondered why God has made us so we, we, we spend one-third of our life asleep? You ever wonder why? I mean, you think about that magic bread again, manna. You know what happened? They'd go and, and collect it, but if they try to save it for tomorrow because he's trying to teach them about de- being dependent on him every day, so the manna they got yesterday isn't going to help them at all today because it's going to go bad with worms, remember? But you know what else happens? It's magic bread. On Friday, the manna they pick, it keeps until Sunday. On the Sabbath, they're not allowed to go pick up bread. And it's not because it's about a, a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's, a, it's about the lesson that the Lord is trying to teach them. And it's this. Do you trust me enough to put one day aside and to rest? And to rest. And trust that I'll provide. You know, every night when I go to sleep, I used to struggle to sleep, by the way. This, this passage hits home. Sleep 
when we don't, we don't sleep and we're, and we're tossing and turning back and forth, it's, it really is an expression of our unbelief. The Lord, he, he wants us to, to work hard for 16 hours. And I say eight because that's what they say. You need eight hours of sleep to be rested. Some people work long less, whatever. You know my point. Rest. Work hard, be disciplined, manage your time, and at the end of the day, you put your head on your pillow and you go to sleep knowing I did everything I could. I'm leaving the rest to God. I'm going to sleep because he never sleeps. And I'm going to put my faith in God that while I'm asleep, he's got everything under control. I mean, that's, what, that's why we sleep. We're telling the Lord, I know you got it. I'm not God, you're God. And I, and, I, and I trust that if you're the God who was able to create the universe in six days, then, then you're the God that can give me the grace that I need to tackle tomorrow's problems. I love Psalm 127.2. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, in vain you get up early and you stay up late, working hard to have enough food, for the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. I just started telling my, you know, thinking about this verse and just, just, just when I, those nights that I couldn't sleep and just saying this verse over and over and over again, the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. Don't worry about tomorrow. Sleep. He's got it. You know, um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever watched a Gator football game with me, I, um, I get a little stressed out. And, 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 and to the point where people watch, you know, take pictures of me because I got like pillows and I'm, I'm, I'm cold and I got my face buried in it. And I'm like just, you know, they laugh at me. And um, one, t- one time I, we couldn't watch the game live, so I DVR'd it. And my friend didn't know that I wasn't able to watch it live. And so he texted me the final score like, you know, Gators won, da, 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 da. Um, and so, you know, my wife comes in, and she sees me, and I'm just kind of chill, and the Gators are not doing well, okay? We're behind. They, this is like a fumble. They run it back for a touchdown, you would think. And she's like, wow, I'm so proud of you. You're really, you're really growing spiritually. You're handling, you know, these Gator games much better. <laughs> Little did she know, I already knew what the score was. I knew we were going to come back. And so I was able to just watch it. You know what? And they, they, the other team ran the ball back, scored a touchdown, and I'm like, all right, just, just watch. Grace Church, we are on the winning side. Jesus has already won. We have already overcome. We know how this turns out. Let's stop acting like he isn't alive. He said, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. Be of good cheer. For he has overcome the world. The level of our worry, it reveals the size of our faith. And not only that, it reveals the size of our God. So Jesus wants us to stop worrying because it reveals a puny faith in him. And then lastly, Jesus wants us to stop worrying because worrying prioritizes you over the kingdom. Look at these verses from 25 through 34, and I'll let you count. I counted 16 times the, Jesus said the word you or your. The, the, the point is his disciples are, are, are prioritizing you, themselves. 
That's the God that they're serving. That's why that's the other master. In uh, verse 33, there's this word, but, where he switches the page. And he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. The word seek, it means, it means to desire. It's the desire of your heart. What's the greatest desire of your heart? Worry, it, mis- it misprioritizes what life is about. That's why it says, uh, do not be worried, in verse 25, about your life. Worrying is misprioritizing what life is about. It's not about wearing name brands like Tommy Hilfinger or going to the nicest restaurants there are. The, 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 the secret of a peace-filled and joyful life is knowing that your life is meant for more. Life is more about food. It's more about water. It's more about uh, clothing. Life is more about materialism. That is a God who will give salt water to those who are thirsty. But when you make Jesus and his kingdom the priority of your life, Jesus says, I know you need these things, and all these things I will provide for you. That's a promise. I will, will be provided. I love that example that Dr. Allen uses about the widow who gave her, her two last copper coins. And he, and, he, and he stopped the disciples in the tracks, and, and, they, and he said, this, look at this woman. She has given the most out of everyone. And it's just two copper little coins, like this, this a nickel. And, and, but, but, the, but the size of her faith, he, he just, it, 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 what's the word, Mr. Cliff? Slack jaws him. Do you think when she gave everything she had, that that widow went home and went hungry that night. I'm telling you, you seek the kingdom first, you make Jesus the highest priority of your life, and he will move heaven and earth to provide for you. He will. When you make God's business your business, then God makes your business his business. When you make God the the highest priority in your life, you're starting to tap into the abundant life instead of this anxious life that we're feeling where there's tension and we're feeling pulled apart. It's that life that Jesus promised us, the the eternal life, a a life of, 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 of abundance, an abundance of joy, an abundance of peace. Look at um, verse 25 and 31 and 34. Jesus says the word, do not worry, Three times. And in the King James Version, Mr. Jerry, what, is, what does your Bible say in the New King James? In verse 25, where it says, do not worry. Okay, well, the King James Version says, take no thought. Take no thought. He says it three times. Stop thinking like you're thinking. Okay, so the abundant life starts by putting on the helmet of salvation. You know, that's the the spiritual uh, armor that we are to put on. And the the helmet of salvation is to to go on our heads and to to guard our minds from the lies, from the lies of three sources, the lies of Satan, who comes and he whispers in your ear that God is not good. God doesn't care. God doesn't see what you're going through, that God isn't going to provide. I've heard it said this way, Satan, Satan. works like this. He, 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 wherever God has put periods, Satan puts question marks. So you start doubting his promises. Uh, and, and, and look what Jesus says. Your heavenly Father, 
He knows all you need these things. And so how Satan works, he puts question mark after that. Does my Heavenly Father really, really know what I need? Does my, does, does, do I even, is he really my father? Am I really saved? Am I his child? And that's just how, how he works. Will he really provide? And so putting on the helmet of salvation is not dwelling on Satan's lies or the lies that, that others say about you, source number two, or how about this, source number three, the lies that we tell ourselves about ourselves. One of my friends told me, John, no one has lied to you more than you. And so putting on the hel- salvation is, is stop believing the lies. Take no thought. Do not worry. Take no thought. You want to be an overcomer. You want to be more than a conqueror. You want to start enjoying the abundant life that Jesus promises. Then putting on the helmet of salvation means you start taking every thought captive and submit it to the obedience of Christ. You can't let your mind go unchecked. Oh, this could happen. And what if this happens? And this could happen. And you're up all night thinking about all these hypothetical situations that having actually happened... And most of the things that we're worried about are things in the future that actually haven't happened and God hasn't promised us that he's going to walk through valleys with us that don't exist. And that's why you feel anxious. The greatest battles of Christianity are won between the ears. It's a battle for your thought life. But it's not just stop thinking about the wrong things. That's only half the battle. We're to to start thinking about the right things to enjoy the abundant life. Stop thinking the wrong things and start thinking the right thing. That's why Mr. Avery, he read, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, think, think about these things. That's what renewing your mind is. That's what fighting the battle of, of, of putting on the armor and grabbing your sword. And, and, and so it's, it's the abundant life is, is, is putting on the helmet of salvation, but it's also it's preaching a better sermon to yourself. I mean, that's what Jesus is doing to his disciples. I imagine him on the countryside, and he's just pointing to something like grass or a flower or a bird in the tree. And he's saying... Think about these things. Consider, consi- he uses the word consider. Consider the lilies. Consider the birds. Stop thinking about what you're thinking about, and let's think about something new. So let's spend a minute thinking about these things. Jesus tells us the cure for worry is changing the way we think about our Heavenly Father. Consider how he provides for his creation. Just consider this for a second. Think about this. Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? There are some good sermons that we could, that are speaking to us, right? The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The stars are telling us something about God. The grass is telling us something about God. The birds are telling us something about our Heavenly Father. The grass. The grass. Mr. Michael, you won't ever... You'll, you'll see grass and you'll be thinking about it in a whole different light. The grass is going to tell you something about God. What has God done to provide for the grass? 
not just to create it and set aside a day on like day number three and set the sun where it's at and, and, and cause rain to happen and clouds and, and evaporation and condensation and the nitrogen cycle and photosynthesis and, and, and then the flowers, like he, he didn't just create a, a flower, he created butterflies and bees that are going to pollinate it. All these different things that, that, that we don't even think about. That's why I've heard it said this way. God is doing 10,000 things in your life today, and we're probably aware of three of them. Do you know how much is involved with God to provide for grass? There's no more grass in anywhere in the universe except right here on planet Earth. What is God doing not only to provide for it but sustain it? And it's here today and gone tomorrow. The grass. He cares for the grass, y'all. Verse 26, if you're thinking, yeah, but will he provide for me? Look what he says. Are you not worth much more than they? Are you not more valuable to your heavenly father than the grass, than the birds? Jesus Jesus is... In Matthew chapter 10, I don't think he's pointing to a bird and saying it's like a bald eagle, one of those majestic birds. I think it's one of those tiny little insignificant sparrows that we don't even take notice of. But you know what it says in Matthew chapter 10? There, there was a hymn writer that wrote a song that his eye is on the sparrow. In Matthew chapter 10, it says... Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Basically what the widow gave in the, in the offering. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's consent. You know what the next verse says? Because Jesus is trying to get you to think about, consider his creation, and if he's faithful there, how faithful is he going to be for someone that he is more valuable to? The next verse, Jesus says, but the very hairs on your head are numbered. And you may be thinking, well, John, that's not very hard for him to know how many hairs are on your head. (laughs) But you know what that tells me? It tells me he created me with a certain amount of hair, and he knows how many hairs I've lost. He knows my toil. He knows my stress. He knows... The troubles, he says, do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. He's acquainted with all our ways. He knows when you're going to get up and when you lay down. He knows what's on your, your tongue before you say it. He's knitted you together in your mother's womb. And in fact, Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah, the prophet, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. The psalmist says, God, you've kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? How valuable are you to the Heavenly Father? You know, the last time I checked, God didn't send his son to die for the flowers. 
But you know what God did do? He sent his one and only son to purchase you with his own precious blood. That's, his blood is valuable. And you think that you love your children? Can I tell you, you don't love your children as much as your heavenly father loves you. Not even close. Not even close. And so don't just consider how he provides for his creation. Consider how he paid for you. Consider how he paid for you. Romans 8, verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You mean he's going he's gonna to send his son Jesus to die for you, but let you go hungry? It's like, it's like if I you know, decided to splurge and take my family to Hawaii. And I buy them all plane tickets, and we get there, and then Ann and Kate get off the, the plane, and they're like, Dad, did you get us a room to stay in? Well, no, I just thought I'd take you to Hawaii. You know, are we going to eat while we're here for a week? Well, no, we don't have any more money for left for that. If we are trusting God to save us for eternity, can we not trust God to provide what we need today? When we are stressed... This is how you preach a better sermon to yourself. You start putting periods behind God's promises. And when you, when you do that, watch how the Bible, uh, it says that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God will actually be on guard. And you, you may say, God, and you, you come before the throne of grace and you're honest and you're saying, God, this is too much for me to handle. I've been there. It's too much for me to handle, but I know this you are able to do far exceedingly more than I could ever ask or think according to the power at work in me. So I'm going to trust you. Or, or, or God, I have no clue what you are doing. Your ways are higher than my ways. I don't, this doesn't make zero sense to me. But I know this, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will, he will supply all my needs according to his riches. How rich is the Lord? How rich is he? You know that manna stuff that fell from heaven? It fell for 40 years. He told every person, which is probably 2 million, 3 million, every person go gather every day an omer of manna for yourself. You know how much an omer is? I had to look it up because I had no idea. An omer is a 2 liter. You add up I'll let the math guys in the room, or ladies in the room, add up how much manna would, I mean, what's the size of the building that would store that much manna for 40 years so millions of people could grab a two-liter bottle of it? He's rich. And I don't think it drained his resources one bit. He's teaching us to remember that God is, is great. He's, he's never late. He's never early. You're thinking, is he going to provide? He's never late. He's never early. He's not going to get you the grace you need for tomorrow. He's not going to give it you today. He's going to give it to you tomorrow when you need it for tomorrow. That's why it's daily bread. He's never late. He's never early. He always provides what you need just in time. 
He'll give you the grace that you need for today. And then tomorrow when you get up, you need to go back to the throne of grace and learn to live life well for that day. Just like the birds do when they get up and they start singing with a joyful song every morning, not worried about what's going to happen because they know they have a Heavenly Father that provides for them. And the good news is, in verse 32, you have a Heavenly Father and He knows what you need. He knows what you need. So what is it? What is it that you need? Not, it, not, not what, it is, what do you want. What does your soul need? Is it eternal security? Is it forgiveness of sins? Is it a peace that surpasses all understanding? Is it to be loved by somebody? Is it to be accepted by somebody? Is it contentment? Are you, are you tired of feeling pulled apart in two different directions and you want to start enjoying the abundant life Jesus promises? It's not a hidden secret. All those needs are only met in one way, and it's when you first seek the kingdom and his righteousness. When you desire him, you see peace isn't found in a certain place. It's found in a person. And when you seek him with your whole heart, all those needs that you have, guess what he... You, He's the one that can provide for those needs. I can't. If you want to get wet, you've got to go jump in the water. If you want to get warm, you've got to go be by the fire. And if you want peace for your hearts and your minds, you need to go be by the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can provide it. So I'm going to ask our Grace Group leaders to come up here this morning. Because I believe this is a text that's not just hitting me. I believe this is a text that we all worry at times. And, and, and I, I, if you need to pray with somebody, come see your grace group leader. They're going to be up here, and they would love to pray with you and to keep praying for you. But remember, God will give you your daily bread for today. And you know what you need to do tomorrow? You need to go back to the throne of grace and be a beggar for bread again, and say, God, I need grace for today's trouble. Will you enable me and strengthen me to do what you've called me to do today? He will provide. If he's given his son Jesus for you, he will provide what you need to do what he's called you to do. Verse Philippians chapter 4, what Aubrey read, it says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer is the pathway to the throne of grace. Anxiety isn't something that we manage. Grace Church is something that we need to turn away from. It's telling a statement to God that you're just not big enough to handle what I'm going through. Maybe we've turned to alcohol or drugs or turned to some other lesser God to find comfort or relief from the worries of this world, and I want to invite you to try it God's way. Seek ye first the kingdom. Make him the highest priority of your life so you're no longer serving two masters and see what happens. Are your priorities out of order? I'm going to invite you to cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Will you stand with me? Lord God, I thank you for your word and how it's alive and active, and how it still speaks, and how it gives comfort and hope. And God, I pray, I pray for our people, Lord, 
God, help us to have a bigger view of, of, of who you are. Help us to have a greater sense of just how valuable we are to you. God, how you provide for your creation. Your word says that we're more valuable. and that just I don't know what to say to that. But God, we, 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 we thank you. And God, those of, that, of us that have just an inkling of faith, a small faith, I, I pray that you would increase our faith to trust you will provide. You are the Jehovah Jireh. You will give us what we need. And so God, we ask for the grace that we need to make much of you, to live life, to overcome the troubles so that people, our friends, our family who see us, who, who don't have a, a living God, a relationship with you, they see us and they see how we live and the hope that we have and the joy that we have in the midst of our circumstances and it can only come by the grace that comes from you. And so I, I pray that our lives would be like the birds, that it would be preaching to somebody else about your greatness and your love. We love you, Lord. We ask this in the name we pray. Amen.